then we have to be willing <laughs> to be delivered and restored ourselves and to be participants in seeing the holistic deliverance and healing and restoration of others. Yeah. If you take that out of it, you're not really talking about the kingdom of God at all. Yeah. You're talking about something else. Welcome to 242, a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church where we discuss topics that are important to our lives as students of the way of King Jesus. This is season two, episode three. I'm interviewing Pastor Mark Harley about Buffalo Vineyard Church's value for deliverance ministry. It's a part of our series, our season two series, uh, exploring our values and answering the question, who are we? We talk a little bit about some of our own personal experiences with deliverance ministry. We define it, look at some passages of scripture that help us to understand what it means, and then also talk about what do we do practically what does it mean practically to engage in deliverance ministry? I hope you enjoy. All right. So Mark, I think, I think this time I'm officially interviewing you. You're the expert. <laughs> it's always kind of gray. Good. So uh, <laughs> we're talking today about deliverance ministry. That's Mark right. is here as the resident expert on deliverance <laughs> ministry. Mark, tell us why you are an expert on deliverance ministry. Uh, I am an expert in deliverance, deliverance ministry because I'm not an expert in deliverance ministry. <laughs> We were okay. talking about amateurism last week, right? <laughs> of all the things that you would like to be an amateur at. That's right. Now we're talking about deliverance. Um, so we've been going through this, uh, this eight, eight part series of, of Buffalo Vineyards values. Right. And I mean, that to be, <laughs> to be funny, right. All the other values got taken. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm the deliverance ministry expert. <laughs> That's good. That's just being silly. But so if you listen to this uh, podcast after you heard Mark fail horribly to preach a sermon on deliverance ministry. Hey, that could still happen. It's just messing around. <laughs> Hopefully you're not speaking prophetically. No, come on, man. <laughs> no, so that's, we're being silly. Like, um, you know, I think deliverance, that idea of deliverance, um, what I'm planning to talk about and what, uh, you know, like, like you're saying, when this comes out, I would, I will have talked about, uh, in my, in my sermon on Sunday is, uh, deliverance for me is one of those words that has, um, for lack of a better word, just from my own cultural upbringing in the church has, uh, like what I would call like some Christian baggage, yeah. right? It's one of those words that you're like, ah, like it just makes me think of, I mean, just like, like some of those extreme, like YouTube clips of someone falling out on the floor or, you know, like the, the scarier stuff, the more like uncontrollable, like things of, of our faith, right. Yep. That are, um, I mean, I think I've been for large circles of the evangelical church in America have been kind of excluded from our, from our practice as Christians. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not speaking for all on behalf of all churches, right. Or all, all, uh, communities of, of faith, but certainly mine. Right. So that, that's, that's something that, uh, yeah, I've, I've have, I've had baggage with it and, uh, it's something over, uh, the last couple of years that I think the, you know, the, the vineyard our our specific vineyard church, but I think just the broader vineyard has, has helped me sort of navigate through some of that, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm planning on talking a little about some of that and we should talk about some of that too today. Well, so maybe just what's the definition of deliverance ministry? Mm -hmm. I've, I found our definition as a church for deliverance ministry. Okay. Want me to read that? Sure. You wrote this. 
Okay. I'm assuming you did. Did I? I, I don't, don't know. know. Is it? I didn't write this. Wait, which one is it? It's uh, the longer one that you quoted earlier. Or it's like just the little short tagline. It's the longer one. Okay. Then I probably did write this. Yeah. It says this. It's a great, I think it's a great, it's a helpful definition. It says like, like the, the short tagline is asking God's spirit to set us free from evil. Right. Yeah. And then the longer part of it says, um, we being Buffalo Vineyard church, we're committed to seeing people freed from the forces of evil through the work of the spirit, right? Addiction, depression, oppression, affliction, and alienation. There are powers and authorities at, at work that require the power of the spirit of God to overcome. Jesus will accomplish for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. We commit to praying that his deliverance would come to our brothers and sisters, neighbors, and friends, and to walk with them as they start out in a new direction with God. Mm. Yeah. When did you, when did you, or when did the sort of leadership of Buffalo Vineyard Church put this together? Uh, I don't know exactly. I mean, probably we, we might've actually identified these values as far back as, you know, eight, eight or 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I did a lot of, I, obviously I do a lot of like writing and, you know, coming up with stuff, but, but then that, the, the shorter tagline, like what we've been using now, that's something that involved a lot of other, a lot of other eyeballs and voices in creating, just trying to think through like, Hey, what do we mean by this? And what's a way of communicating this? That's simple and, you know, easy to understand and articulate. Uh, let me ask you this. Was there, um, you know, was there a point in time or were there particular, I don't know, just like people that were a part of this community at that point or things that happened in this community at that point that really it forced you to try to put some language around it and try to define like what, what this was or maybe like what was happening? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think, so I would hope that all churches, I would hope that all churches would have some sort of a value for deliverance ministry as articulated that way. Like to, to your point, you know, like, well, yeah, it means lots of different things to different people. And that word or that concept has some baggage for both people inside the church and outside of it. So I do understand why people might not want to use that language. Um, but the idea of there being forces at work in our lives and in our world that are bigger than us, spiritual forces that really require the Holy spirit to, um, to confront, right. That it's just not something that we can do ourselves. Um, yeah. Like to me, that just seems like incredibly basic (laughs) and, and that, you know, that's kind of like the, the basis for the idea of praying for people to see God restore something about who they are, their life that has been stolen from them. You know, again, whether you talk about addiction or you talk about some sort of spiritual affliction or, you know, again, it's like, yeah, I I don't, I don't, I don't have the ability to fix that for you. Um, I don't have the ability to fix that for myself, but as, followers of Jesus, we actually do believe that God has the power to fix this and to address this. So let's see if he wants to do that right now. (laughs) Yeah. It it seems like uh, it shouldn't be so far out on the limb to say that Christians shouldn't be afraid to ask God for help. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's the essence of it is (laughs) that like, Oh dear God, I'm in trouble. Please help me. And I have no other way of, I can't like, I actually cannot do this by myself. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on necessarily. Right. Help. That's uh, what is now. I don't remember where it came from. Definitely a vineyard person who, who I remember hearing say this. Um, 
but the seven most spiritual words you can utter. Mm. Can I pray for you right now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that's at the heart of what this is, right. Yeah. Is like, you know, somebody shares something really horrific with you, you know, and it's like, Oh man, can I pray for you right now? Yeah. Like that's at the heart of what a value for deliverance ministry really is all about from my perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, and so some of that, I kind of want, I feel like we should talk a little, a little bit about some of that baggage because I don't think I'm the only person. I mean, I know generally speaking, I'm not the only person that has that type of kind of a, maybe like an immediate response to that word specifically, right. Yeah. Of like deliverance. Um, and I'm, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not the only person in our community that has that kind of like, of a kind of like, Ooh, I don't know, you know, um, have like, what's your experience with, I mean, what's your experience with something like deliverance ministry been in, in your journey as a Christian and as a pastor? And so I'm, I thought I was supposed to be asking, no, but I'm questions. asking you first. It's helpful for me. <laughs> All right. Then you can ask. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about a time that you saw a demon. Uh, go. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I have a ton of firsthand experience with del- deliverance ministry, but I do have some, you know, yeah. and I think that, so both, I, I guess I could share two brief stories. The first is, uh, when I came, however you want to describe it, came back to faith in Christ as an adult. Um, I had spent a lot of years just doing a lot of like feeding myself with a lot of stuff that weren't, that wasn't food. And one of those things was pornography and sex. And, um, so I came back into the church and the church that we were part of, this was the vineyard church, um, was really the first time in my life that I had ever been around a church that really actually knew how to worship. And by that, I mean, there was, there was a cultural expectation within the community that we were going to show up to together, whether it's a Sunday morning or whatever small group, but we're going to gather together and we're going to sing songs that are not about God, not about us, but they're actually to God. Like we're going to sing to God and we're going to tell him how we feel about him through song and we're actually going to expect in some way, shape or form him to be present to us in that, like, like right. tangible experiences of God's presence. Right. So I'd never been a part of a church like that before. It was incredibly powerful. And one of the things that began happening to me almost every single time I was showing up in, in those meetings to worship is I would begin to worship and would hear not, not audible, but like I would have these like constant, um, just like attacks on my identity really. And, um, accusations, right. Uh, that was all connected to my sexual history and basically consisted of like, you have no business singing these songs to God. Like, who do you think you are? Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really talk to anybody about that. And so, you know, again, I'd show up, I'd worship and then this would happen. And sometimes I would experience God's presence, but also would have this kind of experience. And, um, I don't know how long that lasted months. Um, but at some point, And this wasn't the first time I'd been around something like that because I'd been a part of this church for several months, but I hadn't been around something like this until showing up to this church. But, you know, Pastor Mike or one of the other pastors would invite people to come up and receive prayer. And I was like, not too sure I wanted to go do that, but was like checking it out. Well, so, so one time he made a specific invitation, um, to the whole, everybody in the room. Hey, if you feel like, you know, God wants to set you 
you want God to set you free from something. I just want to invite you to come up and receive prayer. And at the time I hadn't even made the connection to like that experience, but I went up and received prayer mm. and it was emotional for me. Like I was crying, um, sure. which was pretty common at that point of all of my experiences of the spirit. Like whenever I felt like God was doing something with me or speaking to me or even just moving around me and other people, like I would tear up. Mm. So I had that kind of, so it wasn't like nothing happened, but also, you know, I didn't fall out. I didn't, you know, right. <laughs> like nobody spoke in tongues. I didn't speak in tongues, you know, like, yeah. and I didn't even really connect it to what that experience of accusation and worship. But from that day to this, I mean, that's like almost 20 years ago. This never happened again. Yeah. It was like a before and after moment of deliverance for me. Um, mm. So I could probably point at some other ones, but that's the one that's most profound for me personally. And then uh, this is probably a shorter story, but I've just seen like in some kind of like street ministry situations um, have experienced things that I don't really know what else to call it other than like encounters with evil spirits. Um, yeah. Again, not like, you know, people levitating or anything like that, but just, you know, talking to people who are talking in other voices or, you know, I mean, even like Tammy and I had an experience what made it weird was that we both had the same experience at the same time without talking to each other of like something being in the room with us where it was like, you feel that? Holy cow. You feel that too? Oh, wow. And then just began calling on the name of Jesus and, and it went, you know what I mean? So like I've had some experiences like that. Um, but also, you know, there are some people that like, that's their 24 seven lived experience. That's yeah. not me at all. Like sure. I have some of those experiences and they do inform, you know, the way that I want to offer prayer to people, you know, when somebody's like wrestling with something, it's like, well, let's ask, ask the spirit to come and, and free you from that. Right. So hmm. how about you? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting interviewed. <laughs> yeah, um, right. yeah. I mean, I think, similar to you, like I haven't had, um, I mean, I think I've shared before I've, I've grown up in a, <clears throat> not, not in a vineyard context and kind of a variety of other, uh, evangelical contexts, you know, growing up in the South, uh, with a lot of Baptist influence and things like that. Um, different like holiness traditions, um, where I don't think any one of those, again, I was young. I, I don't think any one of those church communities would deny God's ability to heal people and deliver people. It just wasn't something that was um, regularly practiced and things like that. So I think I have, um, I've experienced what you're talking about kind of like for lack of a better word of like, just like a demonic type of uh, experiences before for sure. Um, like usually like on behalf of like other people, other people like just like behaving really scarily right i've experienced that before um i think i have like i don't know that i would say i've had people pray really intensely for me for things like that that i think have not returned like what you're talking about um i could probably point to like one thing in particular back when i was maybe my early 20s um but not a ton of experience like that. Um, I, I think, and like I said uh, a little, a couple of minutes ago, that the vineyard is something that I think has helped me better understand how this 
how this like is supposed to fit into like a Christian community. Yeah. You know? Um, so I've talked quite a bit about this, I think all in a number of these other, uh, conversations, but, uh, the, the vineyard has, um, uh, there, there's the, there's a thing for the vineyard called the justice network, right? The, the, uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2019, they had a, um, a justice network conference in Philadelphia. And so we, I went down there with Matt and Patrick and Seth and, um, yeah, one on one of the days we just kind of all went to these different sites where uh, people were engaged in just like really, I mean, just tough ministries, you know, just yeah. in a in a tough part of town, um, and just kind of grinding it out every day. And you know, we we all gathered back together for a time of worship in this little storefront church. I think it was in Fishtown, um, kind of like northeast Philadelphia. And uh, just worships together and uh, someone stood up and said, like, you know, we're not going to be able to. We saw a lot of like really difficult things here today and like we're not going to be able to like fix all these problems, but we can ask the spirit to just show up and like help us. And people started, you know, kind of like weeping and wailing. And I was a that was a probably one of the first times that I had like a pretty kind of like mystical experience with with a room of people like that and then that turned into like what we would call ministry time where it was like like clearly the spirit's here you know um and like everyone in that room could feel that and um and again nothing creepy or scary but like yeah like people are emotional and um, receiving like words for people and just really powerful room and it turned into ministry time where it was like okay well like if you feel like you need healing or from something like mentally physically like we'll just do that for like the next hour <laughs> that's what yeah. we'll turn this into it was beautiful you know just people like just to watch people just pray for people to be healed you know i yeah. don't know how else to say it it was just like this sense of like oh like there was this missing piece of like what this thing is you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like oh like this it, it was like almost being like here we were, we were in, you know, this tiny little storefront in Philadelphia and yeah, it was 2019. And it was like, you could have been transported back by like, like 2000 years to like what it just felt like that, like this ancient sort of connection to like what the church is supposed to be. Just like a room yep. of people that have no other business knowing each other other than just like following Jesus together and asking the spirit to just like show up and, and just like heal people's brokenness. Right. <laughs> right like whether it's like physical brokenness or emotional or mental brokenness it was just a room of people doing that and that was beautiful yeah um so that was probably the most like specific specific to a a church context that i experienced a room like that and i didn't i didn't get healing or um, i just was around and just kind of like (laughs) it was awesome i don't know how else to say it yeah i just feel like i guess i'm laughing but i think like god was teaching me something you know, just by like observing that, um, someone came up to me and shared this like insanely powerful word <laughs> for me that like didn't know me at all. Right. It's like, okay. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's probably like my most like tangible experience with, with, with what we would call deliverance ministry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I think. I don't know. I think I have some anxiety to get up there and talk about, about this on Sunday. Why? Well, cause I think it's like, it's something that I'm, 
I definitely, I mean, you, you were joking in the beginning, but I'm not an expert in this, you know, like right. I'm really not, um, you know, there's all sorts of questions that I think I still have around this, you know, like there's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that sort of transcend my own understanding, you know, which I know is kind of the point, but <laughs> that just makes it difficult, right? Like I think the the tendency is you want to be, and especially when it comes to like equipping other people. Yeah. Right. It's like, cause we do, we want to be like that part of what this podcast is for and part of what this, uh, like this whole series of just like digging into what our values is for is, is to like help equip people in this community to like not to, to be participants in this thing. Right. To be like sure. active participants, not only in our church, but like to be like participating with God and in, in the in kingdom work, like in their families and with their friends and coworkers and yeah, with the equipping piece. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I mean, there is room for, um, non-experts to be involved in yeah. the equipping of people. You know, I mean, I think if you're not an expert and you're pretending to be one, that's a problem. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and honestly in, in preaching and teaching about, um, deliverance ministry or anything else, you're, you're supposed to be preaching from a text that you didn't write. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, um, that's helpful. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to come up with the answers. You just have to be, you know, really setting aside time and skill, um, and, uh, you know, even just being a person of a particular, you know, character and whatnot to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to devote some of my time to wrestling with scripture and then, and then sharing that with the congregation. Like that doesn't require you to be an expert. It, it requires you to give your time and your energy to a particular task. That doesn't mean that, you know, it might not be helpful to have some folks in our congregation who have some more expertise yeah. share their thoughts too. <laughs> we, we actually tried to do that with, with this podcast, but it, right. didn't, it didn't work out. But, but I mean, being, being somebody who stands up and directs our attention to some questions that you have or some scriptures that you're wrestling with, or, mm. you know, even just whatever the practicalities of this look like for somebody, you know, who is a part of our church and saying, Hey, this is, this is where God is uh, challenging me around this value. I think yeah. that's super helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> that's where I definitely feel um, the challenge of, uh, or like the task of applying some gentleness to this topic. That right? is your expertise. I, I think if there was one thing that I would try, yeah, I'm definitely more of an expert in being gentle than in <laughs> other things. So if you need to be delivered gently, <laughs> reach out guy. to Mark. Harley, Pastor Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if I'm being honest, a couple of weeks back, I'm like, man, what am I? What is? What am I getting into here? But and I just I feel like God answered answered that. That uh, <laughs> I don't know. My sass. Sometimes I talk sassily to God. You know, <laughs> does, he, does he talk back sassily? Yes. I think he's more sassy to me than I am yep. to him. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. He invented sass. <laughs> All right. So what is, what are some passages of scripture that you've been chewing on? Uh, so the main, so, you know, I like to use the lectionary. Mm -hmm. I know you do. Um, I mean, the I like that you like to use it. Why? Uh, I like the lectionary as an idea, but not as a practical reality. 
So being around somebody who actually likes it as a practical reality <laughs> keeps me more honest. <laughs> and and I actually, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So when you're like, this is from the lectionary, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We should read the lectionary. <laughs> Thanks Mark for doing that for me. It, um, I mean, I think part of it is I, um, I can get overwhelmed with the amount of choices that you can choose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like book. big book with tons of wild stories. <laughs> so if it's like, if there's already like a, this sort of like established, like ancient rhythm that we can just tap into. I like yeah. doing that. You know, it forces me to like, it honestly, it kind of like spurs, like, I think some like really fun and like healthy creativity with, um, applying our lives to scripture. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, okay, how does, and like, and thinking through like how, okay, how we're talking about our value for deliverance ministry. So like really all of our values should be present in all of these texts. Right. So it's like, but sometimes you have to work a little harder to sort of like get some of them out. And so I enjoy that process. Um, so, well, so for the gospel reading for this coming, um, for this coming Sunday, which is the third Sunday after epiphany, it's the story in Luke four. Oh, I didn't know that you picked that because that was from the yeah. lectionary. Uh, it works out pretty well. It does actually work out really well. <laughs> I thought you selected that, and then the other two texts no. were the were the lectionary reading. Nope, that's cool. There are those other texts though, which are part of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's uh, the um, Luke chapter four, where uh, Luke four, four uh, verse fourteen through twenty one, where mm. Jesus returns to Galilee. It's kind of like the start of his ministry, right after he's tested in the wilderness. <clears throat> It's pretty wild. It says this. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to, procre- to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. That's crazy. Wild. Yeah. So he reads from like what we know of is, uh, is Isaiah 61. Um yeah, I mean, he basically is like, my ministry is about deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like actual deliverance. Um, yeah, so that that's um, something I've been sort of just like marinating in for a couple of weeks now. Um, what, I, what I find interesting about this is uh, even if, and so if you actually keep reading, right? So like following this, a lot of us will be talking about Luke or in Isaiah? In Luke. Yeah if you continue reading through, right? So like he, he gives the scroll back and he sit and he sits down, which is really, it's not him just like, I, I kind of like want to think about that culturally as like the mic drop. Like that's all I have to say, but that's not really what's happening. Right. Like he's, he's actually sitting down to teach now. Right. right. And so like the next chunk of text is what his teaching is. That was right? more like the incendiary opening comments to get people engaged. <laughs> exactly. It's material. the scripture reading at the beginning of service. Right. It's yeah. like, and he sits down to teach and he starts his teaching by saying today the scripture is fulfilled in our hearing, right? And then everyone starts going like, oh, where's this going to go? Where's yeah. this sermon going to go? <laughs> and everybody really responded positively and warmly. Yeah, to his and he message. basically <laughs> continues to say like, 
yeah, uh, you're not, it's, you're not going to, it's not for you. Right. Like look at, uh, think, <laughs> look at how all of your ancestors were treated when some of the prophets were here before. Wasn't it the other people and the Gentiles that were saved and not them yeah. that were healed and all that and not them. And they basically try to kill him. And there's that amazing text where it just says that he just passes through them. Right. And just continues on his way. And so the very next text is he heads down to Capernaum and he casts a demon out of a guy. And then the next thing is he heals a woman of her headache and someone's in, I think it's in Simon's house. It's like, okay. <laughs> right. What we know about Jesus is he doesn't do anything by happenstance. Right. So it's like, there's this kind of like incredible start to his ministry, right. Where he's like, he reads this scroll from the prophet Isaiah, which talks about, which is like poetry, right? It's like, uh, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free, um, good news for people who are suffering. Right. And he says, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> like I'm doing that right Ooh. now. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. And then what we learn about Jesus's ministry, right. Is that like, he then equips his disciples to do that. Yeah. And he's like, we're doing that together. That's what I want you to do. That's crazy. So you've brought this up a few times, but that John Wimber story, um, from before he was even involved in ministry, he had given his life to Christ and was attending a church and yeah. Yeah. You want to tell a, We're, I don't know. I don't know if he's like, when do we get to do all the stuff? Yeah. And the, yeah, I don't know the specifics of the story, but it, it, I, what I understand was that it was very early on in his, in his yeah. uh, journey as a Christian and he's reading through scripture. And like, as anyone, if you read like reading through scripture as an adult, it's like as an adult who's like, I don't know, had your butt kicked a little bit, you know, like mm. maybe you've gotten fired or like you just like you have a hard time with your family or like when you have had like hard stuff happen in your life and you read scripture, you're like, wow, <laughs> like, mm. and it just has a whole different meaning. And when you have like when you have experience, I think that's that's something that like I think growing up in the church, we have almost like a disadvantage. Right. Where we just kind of get like immersed in the stories of scripture and they lose their like potency their teeth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you reread, reread them again. And you're like, Whoa, that's uh that's not quite the nice little nursery rhyme that I, that yeah, I how did I miss that? Right. Um, so anyway, yeah. So John Wimber's reading through scripture for the first time as an adult, basically <laughs> and going like, this is awesome, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which it is. Right. <laughs> this is awesome. When do we get to do some of this stuff? And he's like asking some of the people at this church that, that uh, him and his wife had been going to. And he's like, Oh, we don't really do that stuff. Like <laughs> we just, but we read about it and we study it. And he's like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? I left like my life, my rock and roll jazz musician lifestyle touring around for what exactly. Um, I've actually got, I, I've got another Wimber quote that I've been, uh, thinking about and preparing for this. This is a good one. It says, so this is, this is obviously later on. I don't know exactly when he wrote this, um, but this is about his ministry, right? And it says, when I began hearing the Lord regarding praying for the sick, right? So we're talking about deliverance, right? Praying for people who are sick. Um, I had no actual proof in my life or ministry that God would back up my actions when I began teaching on the works of the kingdom. I've often been asked, did you experience a miraculous heal healing that led you into this ministry? Have you had a visitation from an angel? 
Or did a divine healer lay hands on you and impart his anointing to you? These kinds of questions presuppose a theology that to participate in Jesus' ministry, I needed some kind of spiritual experience to initiate my ministry. My response to these kinds of questions was simple. No, it's in the book, so I do it. (laughs) I was obeying scripture because I believed that if Jesus said it and did it, then I should do it. This is important because it answers a common criticism that some have leveled at others and me. Some contend that we start with our experience and then turn to scripture to support it. Isn't that called eisegesis (laughs) in a way, right? Mm -hmm. The exact opposite was true for me. Instead, I started with the Bible, especially the Gospels. I chose to obey the commands of Jesus without knowing whether or not we would see any results. And it was only when I tried to emulate Jesus' words and works in my life that my experience changed. I'm going to read that part again. That's worth (laughs) reading a few times. (laughs) It was only when I tried to emulate Jesus' words and works in my life that my experience changed. Mm. I did not have a climactic moment of holy electricity that caused me to find texts to support my experience. Yikes. No, that's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. John Wimber is really something special. Yeah. Like he really is. And it's that, like clearly he's an intelligent, rational um, person. You know what I mean? Like you can see that. But also, yeah, just incredibly, I think maybe balance is that actually, is that from the, the radical middle or is that, oh no, that's a, that's it's just a like a collection of his writings called yeah. the way, the way in. is the way on. So there's a, he didn't write it, but there's a, a book um, called the, the quest for the radical middle that was kind of like the early definitive um, um, like history of the vineyard movement Yeah, that was written like maybe 20 or 30 years after after its founding, I think it was written right around the time he died. So probably more like 20 years. Yeah. Um, and that, that idea of like the quest for the radical middle, um, it is something that really captures the ethos of the vineyard, but the vineyard had that ethos because that was John Wimber's ethos that, that idea of, you know, like I think a lot of early vineyard pastors and the early vineyard churches would have defined themselves as, um, evangelical in theology, but charismatic in experience, which at the yeah. time that was like, that was a radical middle approach. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other places where you see that kind of like just real balance, you know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Like I wasn't driven to engage in these kinds of wacky, crazy experiential kinds of things because I'm that kind of a person, but rather like I was trying to faithfully read scripture and apply it to my life. And it led to some of these powerful experiences with the spirit of God like that, again, that comes from like a place, at least from my perspective of real healthy balance that avoids the, like kind of the pitfalls of the worst forms of kind of like spiritual excesses that you might think of when you talk about deliverance ministry and you're scared of it yeah. without necessarily falling into the, you know, the opposite extreme of just like avoiding it at all costs, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That's cool. That's just something that I've always appreciated about John Wimber. Well, it, it seems like an urgent, and I, I think that this seems this seems to be kind of how um, certainly he approached his ministry, but I think how the Vineyard in general approached its expanding ministries for sure at that time um, with a certain urgency. You know, it was like lacking, like our just lacking a really important component of like who we're called to be, right? Like, like who and like who Christian communities are supposed to be for 
the communities that they find themselves in, right? And the mm-hmm. places they find themselves in. Like they were just like sapping God's power in a way, you know, it's like because of like their fear of or, or disbelief or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I, but I understand that like it's, um, you know, I think there are, I mean, there are attributes of this that are scary, you know, I think it's mostly because it's just like something that we can't fully understand and control. Right. Like I right. think speaking for myself, any, any situation that I find myself that I can't completely control is scary. Yep. You know, it's like, or don't really comprehend what's happening. So man, there's like two different directions I want to go here, but I'll ask this question. Why, why do we need this as a value? Like, does it matter? <laughs> Can we just like not have it or like what, you know what I mean? Like what's, what are we missing if we, if we cut this out of our value and our vision for our church community and what are we gaining by leaning into a value for deliverance ministry? Why does it matter? I just, I don't understand kind of like what John Wimber was saying in that, in that quote there. I don't, I don't think we should be in the business of like editing out what's in the book. Mm. I don't under like, it doesn't, it does a solid reason. Yeah. It's not, really, it's not really a sound <laughs> argument. You know, like why, why would we pick and choose certain, components of Jesus's ministry that maybe are more comfortable or more trendy at a particular moment in time that we find ourselves in, you know, like it's way uh, more glamorous to talk about justice than it is to talk about deliverance. Depends on the community right now for us, right Right, now, for Buffalo Vineyard church. I would agree. I'd much rather talk about justice (laughs) than justice ministry deliverance, the sexy ministry. It kind of is. I mean, like not only at the cultural moment we find ourselves in, but like, just in some of the, like the ministries in our church, right. And the, like the, our specific congregation right? yep. where so many people are involved in just awesome works of, of justice, right. Of like seeking justice for our community. So the, <laughs> I just had to tell this it's, it's a joke, but it's just a true story. <laughs> but so like, cause the opposite is true, right? Like yeah. deliverance ministry can be like the sexy ministry in some circles. That's true. And, um, and I think particularly it was well, right earlier on. Well, and I think if you, if you hang out in Pentecostal circles, Mm -hmm. like that is the stuff that people are like really wanting to talk about. And that's where, that's what made me laugh is, um, this was about a vineyard. Like I had a conversation with a guy who has been around a lot of vineyard conferences. And he said that if you run a workshop at a vineyard conference and you want to make sure that you have a lot of people come to your, your workshop, you just have to make sure that you add the word power in front of whatever it is. So it could be like, you know, the power of prayer, or it could be like power encounters in accounting or whatever it is, but just like add power or power encounters. And then like everybody would come because they all want the like, Uh, (laughs) yeah, you're like power evangelism or yeah, we're doing power administration with Mark Harley. Power administration. I like that. (laughs) Right. Power. It's tax season, right? Like (laughs) power payroll. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Elaine and I can collaborate on that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think our church community, <clears throat> because of our context and the people that are in it like that, we do lean a lot more into that justice direction, which is, I think, fantastic. Yeah, it's important. But to your point, you're answering the question, what's missing if we don't actually lean into a value for deliverance ministry? What would you say is missing? Uh, I mean, I think the holistic, if if we leave this part out, we are missing out, I think, on the holistic 
relationship with Jesus that were offered. Yeah. And in addition to that, the communities, our, our friends, our families, our neighbors are missing out on just like, <laughs> I think like the, the comprehensive scope of what Christian, what Christianity is, what, uh, like what God wants, right. If we're mm. getting back to like, you know, how we were defining, um, the kingdom of God, you can't leave that out. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's a vital component of the kingdom of God, right? So like if we're, I like to think about scripture as a story, right? It just helps me. Mm-hmm. And I like talking about it as a story, right? And so like if we're, we know like the beginning of the story, right? Like creation, we were created in creation, right? God is our creator. And then we wanted to be our own gods, right? We wanted to make our own decisions, right? I was just talking about control. Like I, we want to be in control, you know? Yeah. We want to know the difference between good and evil and, you know, right and wrong. And we want to set our own rules. And um, that's an ancient story. And it's just as relevant today, right? But we know that God throughout <laughs> has been attempting to intervene in that story time and time again, right? That's the right. full scope of the Old Testament is like, okay, we'll, we'll try sending uh, Abraham. <laughs> we'll try sending kings and prophets and judges and all these things and it's not working right and then eventually it all culminates right and like god showing up and sending jesus right like in, in the person of jesus and saying like this is what i'm trying to tell you how this is what I, this is what this is how to be human right this is how to be my creation yeah right and so now we're in this process of like the story continues right so we're living in this time after jesus and we we know that it's this this long form story of restoration right of creation is just we feel it right creation there's beautiful things in creation but there's also horrific and terrible things that happen in creation and that that's god wants to collaborate with us to restore those things yeah right and if the story that we're a part of is a restorative story right yeah culminating in new creation and like manifesting God's kingdom on earth yeah. as it's supposed to be, then we have to be willing <laughs> to be delivered and restored ourselves and to be participants in seeing the holistic deliverance and healing and restoration of others. Yeah. If you take that out of it, you're not really talking about the kingdom of God at all. Yeah. You're talking about something else, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's what we lose. <laughs> we lose a lot of it. So how does all of this get practical for, for us as a community? I guess there's, there's two, well, I'll start with one question. Then I got a follow-up question. So the first question is like, how do we, how do we know if we're doing it? Mm. Right. What do we got to do to say, ha, we're, we're doing deliverance ministry here at the Buffalo Vineyard church. I think we're not doing it. I've been thinking about that question and I think, um, I think we need to experience it ourselves. 
Like, so we I need think, to be delivered. I, I think that we need like, it could be, I think a, I'm speaking for myself here. I think there's um, a, a large part of the like, I think uneasy, uneasiness or, you know, timid approach to the word deliverance or even just that idea of like praying for the sick and like, I mean, praying for people to be freed from like a spirit of oppression or something. Right. Or, mm-hmm. um, that we, we should, we should also experience those things ourselves. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think that's God. It's important to, I think to say that God doesn't just want us to free other people. Like God wants to like deliver us too. Yeah. Right. Like, there's things that all of us suffer from and it can be like little minor things or massive things that like maybe we've had hidden for years or whatever, but God doesn't want any of that. Like God wants to free all of us from all of that. Mm. Right. So I think that's the first step is to just to know that this isn't like Buffalo Vineyard church is not like we should do this. Buffalo Vineyard church is not just called to just go like heal other people. It's like, we should be healing one another too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's the first part. Uh, I think the, the second part is we just shouldn't be afraid to just pray for people. Like what you said at the beginning of this conversation, what is it? The seven words. Can I pray for you right now? It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, Hey, I've been like this. What is like one of the first things Jesus did was he like got rid of a woman's headache. <laughs> great (laughs) we shouldn't if if that's jesus's model right and if we're like supposed to be little christs right we shouldn't be afraid to pray for people's headaches right fair enough i think that's a start in the book it's in the book and that's i say that to myself like i think i i struggle with that sometimes not all the time but i go through seasons where i'm just like whether it's i don't know doubt or fear that like maybe god's not going to heal this person or like what does that mean i just think we just shouldn't we should just, that should be just our first response. Yeah. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Can we just pray about it? It's a really practical thing. So again, just to clarify what I'm hearing you say, <clears throat> we know that as a church, we are valuing deliverance ministry when we are regularly seeing people pray for each other like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's right. Can I pray for you right now? Can I can I ask God to intervene in that situation for you? Can I ask God to heal you or to set you free from that? Or yeah, I th- I think we know that we're we're we are participating in deliverance ministry, right? We're participating in the kingdom of God mm. when our community is praying for each other, maybe in the context of of uh, a Sunday service or a small group, right? Our community is praying for their families, right? Our community is praying for their friends, for their neighbors, yeah. right? That we're just like, that's just our response to things. I think that's one part of it. I also want to point out though that, and I don't want this conversation to end before. I, I think this is an important part of deliverance too, is that there are other forms of deliverance that are not mm. just like, it's not just Steve needs to pray for me to be right. delivered. Right. Like there's a reason that like, let's say an organization like Alcoholics Anonymous started in a church. Yeah. Right. Right. Like Alcoholics Anonymous is a form of deliverance. It just comes in 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, we're, I think we're not really being realistic if we're only thinking that 
God has to show up in power on a Sunday morning service to deliver someone from something. Right. Right. I think that's just not, not a good enough, uh, theology. It's just not a good enough definition and understanding of who God is, um, or who the church is. Right. So I think it's, there's a beautiful thing that you have a, a group of believers. I think it was an Episcopal church in New York where, um, Alcoholics Anonymous started. Of course it would be like these very lined out <laughs> steps <laughs> from an Episcopal community. Right. But, um, that I, my argument is that that's also a form of deliverance ministry, yeah. right? We're, if, if our goal is to set people free from addiction and oppression and uh, alienation, right? Yeah. Here are some incredible steps and like with incredible results. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's cool. I remember. So early on in my time at the Reading Vineyard, I got kind of weirded out by all the quote unquote charismatic stuff. Yeah. And um, that, which, you know, that, that was the thing that really stood out to the church stood out about the church to me. That was a little scary. Like there were a lot of other things that I really appreciated about the church, but that was one of them. I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And, um, I remember pastor Mike saying, he didn't say it to me specifically. It was from a, in a sermon, but that, you know, in response to that, like, Hey, so how, how do you know when like somebody flops around or speaks in tongues or does weird charismatic stuff? how do you know that that's really the spirit as opposed to just people being people? Right. And he said, well, there's a real easy test. (laughs) If somebody, uh, you know, goes forward to the altar, flops around on the ground, has a crazy experience crying, whatever. And then they get back up and they leave the church building and they go home and they beat their wife. It wasn't the Holy spirit that threw them on the ground. Yeah. Right. If on the other hand, they have this crazy experience and they get back up and they never touch another drop of alcohol or they never, it's like, Oh, you better believe that was the Holy spirit that met them. And I think to your, you know, to your point about the 12 step program, like to a certain degree, it's kind of like the proof is in the pudding, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're offering ourselves over to the spirit of God asking him to deliver us or inviting him to deliver other people. And when you see whether it's somebody having an incredibly charismatic experience or an incredibly Episcopalian experience, if the fruit is people being delivered from evil in their lives after having asked the spirit of God to deliver them, pretty biblical idea to say, yep, that was the Holy spirit. Yeah. And I think the, another, I feel like another lesson that, um, you know, something like Alcoholics Anonymous can provide us is not just it's not just that we're offering ourselves to god to be delivered it's that we're like depending on it yeah there's i've i've heard people talk about alcoholics anonymous where it's like if i don't go to alcoholics anonymous tonight i'm gonna die yeah (laughs) right it's like okay (laughs) right and like how different is that than my approach to like praying for someone or praying for myself right it's like I don't always have that approach <laughs> to, to quote right. you from a couple of weeks back. That's just way more aggressive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is, which is not my specialty. I'm not an expert in being an aggra- being aggressive, but you definitely know it when you see it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a situation like that, I think there's a lesson to learn, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, we really should be like a, a dependence on like, we should be depending on God like that. Yeah. You know. All right. One last question. Yeah. Unless you have, where, where, did I cut you off? Well, I do want to make a point, one more point, um, which is an example we have in scripture, which I can read in first Corinthians is that like not every single person has to be engaged in like 
Holy Spirit fire deliverance <laughs> ministry. Like that's not that's not necessarily what the church looks like, right? What what we know about the church is it's designed to be this beautiful like comprehensive collection of people, right? That can minister to one another and to the cities, towns, whatever, wherever they find themselves in just a uniquely specific way. Right? Yeah. That's the vision for the church, right? That's that's God's vision for his people, <laughs> for the kingdom of God, for the church to be like a diverse body of people, right? With diverse gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ, right? We were all baptized with one spirit, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body either, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there <laughs> there are many parts, but one body. Paul's making it, he's going on and on and on, right? But he says, all the parts that are uh, unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then he ends with this, says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God's placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, mm. right? It's like there's that beautiful picture of like, yeah. hey, we're all supposed to be collaborating together with our with our unique gifts, right? I like the word helping and guidance too, right? Yep. It's like the the main point of of think of talking about this in this context, but also in, on Sunday, is that Buffalo Vineyard Church, right? Should not we should be a place that offers all of these kinds of things, right? That like, and we have these people in our church. Oh yeah, we do. Right. Where it's like all of these things are equally represented and equally celebrated, but that we should not be afraid of the gifts of healing and the gifts of deliverance and the, those important components of our community, right? Where we just say, man, that is horrific. What's, what's happening to you is horrific. And we're just going to ask God to show up and help us and fix, fix it and heal us right we just we should not leave that out that's awesome well then and it actually i think answers the question i was going to ask which was like how do you speak to people who have different kinds of emotional responses to this topic you know there's the people who are like woohoo we're finally going to do it and other yeah. people are like uh no 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 i'm leaving if you're going to talk about this stuff and the whole spectrum in between and i think you kind of already already spoke to you you can speak to it a little bit more but that passage really does a good job of communicating, I don't know, we need everybody. And yeah. um, just like it would be silly for a body to be all eye or to not have any eyes, it would be silly for a church community to be, you know, full of all of the crazy charismatics or to have none of them. Yeah. 
Like what we need is every, all the gifts. Well, I think, I mean, we're in the, I think we're in a time where, I mean, so what's happened with COVID has changed so much of what, of like a church's rhythm and just the way that the, a church's community functions. Yeah. <laughs> like we, uh, it's like so much church was happening like online for a time. I mean, for us, right. We were doing those online videos and there's some churches who are just completely doing that now. And we should not leave out the, especially now, right. What, what we have in, in these, like these parts of scripture that we just read. And I think we need to, it's the right way to say this, the recognition that we are part of like an ancient practice, right? Like that, that what we're when we get together as Christians on a Sunday morning or otherwise any other time throughout the week or whatever, that we're participating in this like ancient tradition that includes all sorts of things, but it includes like just laying hands on people and praying for people Mm -hmm. physically that that precedes the enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a little bit by a few years, (laughs) it precedes, uh, you know, modern medicine right so i think as we're getting into a time where and i mean covid has drawn out all sorts of anxieties about health right physical health um i think we just it's especially urgent for the christian community to be in the business of just saying hey i'm just gonna lay a hand on you and pray for you um i think we shouldn't be afraid of that um i i think you know the people for people who might be hesitant or scared of that i think that what that means is that we should be doing it in a way in ways that are um that should be there should be rhythms of that that are uh what's the right word like accessible yeah you know i think there is a real need for that we shouldn't be afraid of healing and so therefore maybe we wouldn't like <laughs> we shouldn't make it scary <laughs> i don't know how else to say that you know like although Sometimes right. God's going to show up and just freak you out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if I answered that the right way. It's all right. You can do it differently tomorrow <laughs> or Sunday or whatever. <laughs> today's not, today's Friday. Yeah, I, I don't even know. What I think, today is. I think it's like the, the main point is that though, that it's like, Hey, like let's, let's remember that this is an ancient tradition Yeah, you know, that it, it precedes our Western world. It precedes our, precedes modernism precedes the enlightenment um and i think a lot of these ancient components of christianity are especially pertinent right now like what what forms a community what forms a christian community probably the people who aren't afraid to just like pray for you yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i don't know well that um maybe that's a good place to stop i think so (laughs) all right brother (laughs) thanks man this was fun Two Forty Two is a podcast from Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. Our mission is to teach people the way of King Jesus by regularly encountering God, training each other in the faith, and effectively serving our neighbors. This podcast is just one of the many ways we work to realize this. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or get in touch, visit us at buffalovineyard.org. Our theme music is Face to Face from Vineyard Worship. Thank you for listening. <laughs>